Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Hey, welcome to Real Presence Live. My Karen Gibis, along with a very talented, amazing, and out of breath Amy Julian. <laughs> Good morning. How are you? We, I am great. We are live here at St. Patrick's Church in Leeds, South Dakota. It's the second time we've done a show here, but the first time for us. First time for us, and I've never even been in this church, so this is wonderful. I'll have to kind of look around before kind of, we leave. Before we, yeah, yeah, it's kind of neat. If anybody has been to Leeds, South Dakota, St. Patrick's is not the easiest church to find <laughs> in the true. Rapid City Diocese. I think the first time I came here, I got lost three times in a very short amount of time. So it, and it might have also contributed to the fact that there was two feet of snow on the ground, at the time, and trying to maneuver your way through lead with snow on the ground is also not the best. And also the fact that this doesn't look like a traditional church. No. It's designed to look like a mine shaft in yes. honor of the main industry of lead. So, <laughs> so, you know, if you know that, then you can look for it. But if you're looking for a traditional church, you might overlook it. I did. I drove by going, that can't possibly be the church because this has got to be like a museum or something. You know? Exactly, exactly. But it's really beautiful. And, of course, we're here with uh, Father Leo Hausman as yes. our host. Thank you, Father Leo, for yeah. hosting us. And so beautiful parish. Well, Amy, do you want to start with prayer, and then we'll go right into our interviews? Sure, we'd love that. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord God, we thank you for gathering us here today, especially for this very special show that we have planned for our guests. Lord, we come to you bringing all of our wounds, all of our sacrifices, all of our pains, and Lord, especially we bring to you the parents who have lost a child. We know that this is a very special wound and that you hold these parents close to your heart. And today we ask, Lord, that you draw all parents who are suffering the loss of a child into your heart, into the heart of our Blessed Mother, into the sacred heart of our Lord Jesus. Help them to be consoled in their loss and to look forward to the day when we'll be together in heaven forever. And we ask all these things as we pray for the intercession of our Blessed Mother. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Well, Amy... Why don't you introduce our beautiful guests and let's hear their stories. Let's hear their stories, yeah. I'm so excited to have these two lovely ladies with us today. We have Dion Eastmo, who still kind of works for the Diocese of Rapid City. We're going to cling on to her as long as we possibly can. And Brianne Edwards, who actually I um, go to church with her family in Spearfish. And so I've known, watched Brianne grow up since <laughs> she was a little girl, <laughs> since I came into the church 20 years ago. And so first we'd like to hear a little bit about each of you today. And um, first, first, just tell us who you are. Dion, we'll start with you. Uh, okay. My name is Dion Eastmo, and I, um, I am a parishioner at Blessed Sacrament Church in Rapid City. 
and I've lived in Rapid City about 17 years. And my story is about um, my son Jacob, um, my husband and I, Eric Eastmo, who is a physician at the Cancer Center um, in Rapid City. Um, we are celebrating our 30th wedding anniversary on Tuesday. Congratulations. And thank you. And uh, we have three boys, um, our oldest son, Matthew, our middle son, Michael, and our youngest son, Jacob. And Jacob was born with severe disabilities. He had cerebral palsy um, when he was born. And so our family had this beautiful blessing of, of a disabled child who definitely, with his every breath, drew us closer to God. Um, he... he uh, he just had this sense of holiness about him, and everything about him caused us to slow down and really appreciate uh, the major uh, events of life. And uh, we are just really grateful that God chose our family to, uh, for Jacob. Yeah. Um, the transitions that, or the transformations that he created in all of us, his brothers and his parents, are huge, and other people in our families as well. So, yeah, and I can't wait to hear more about that. You guys have been a witness, I think, to all of the parishers and parishioners in Blessed Sacrament, but really throughout Rapid City. Thank and you. So, Brianne, tell us a little bit about yourself, and then we'll start getting more into the stories of your children. Sure. My name is Bree Edwards. Um, my husband and I actually both grew up in Spearfish, um, and now we've been parishioners at Our Lady of the Black Hills for 11 years. Um, so we, I am a physician assistant by trade. I work part-time in a general and bariatric surgery practice. Um, my husband's a uh, does anesthesia at the hospital. And we have six kids. Uh, oldest is now, will be a sophomore at St. Thomas More. Uh, and the youngest one is two and a half. Uh, and kind of everything in between. So that's my story is, is about Lachlan, uh, who is number two in our lineup of kids. Um, happy, healthy little boy that, uh, that died unexpectedly. Um, just one ordinary Monday. Yeah. Yeah, and so before we hear about the loss of your children, I'd like to hear about the life with your children. You know, what did Lachlan bring to your family? And then we'll hear about Jacob's contribution to his family. Sure. that's a. I love that as a place to start. You know, so often um, when a parent experiences the death of a child, so much of the story of that child becomes about their death. Um, and it's a unique opportunity to get to share about their life, too. Um, really... Uh, at that place in our lives, we were just finishing up our college degrees. Um, I had just started uh, my first real grown-up job. Um, we were new and, you know, first-time homeowners and just doing um, all the exciting stuff about establishing yourself as a new young adult. Um, we had uh, Weston, our oldest, was a um, happy, healthy toddler, and then so our you know, my husband and I, we're high school sweethearts, and we dreamed from the time, you know, we were 17 that we would uh, one day get married and have five kids. And, you know, early on we had uh, planned to do the jobs that we're doing now. And so really that dream of what we had for our lives and all of the work that we'd put in through our college careers were um, really kind of manifesting. And so we had these two beautiful little boys. Uh, Lachlan was such a joy to have. He was uh, a happy little boy that just wide eyes and loved to observe what was going on. He, some of my favorite memories are 
the interactions between him and Weston, um, mm-hmm. that gift of siblings and to be able to see them playing together and interacting together and making each other laugh um, are some of the most, you know, kind of joyful moments um, of, of my lifetime. Yeah. And and I remember seeing pictures of Lachlan and the two of them together, really, you know, and just the perfect little family, you know, that you guys had been, like you said, high school sweethearts. We'd watched you guys grow up and now watching you start the next generation was just such a joy. And everything must have seemed like it was just perfectly unfolding, the kind of the storybook family. Yeah, that's it really was, um, you know, at, at that point, things were coming together exactly as we had dreamed for them to be. Um and so there was a lot of a lot of blessing and a lot of joy that was happening in that space in our lives, and yeah. um, without much knowledge of of the hard stuff that can come. Yeah. What's your favorite memory of Lachlan? Oh gosh, um, one that I think of early on is I think about my boys interacting in one of my first moments of like of having two kids, I was standing in the kitchen making dinner at the end of the night, and the boys were behind me, and they were like laughing hard together and I, I without turning around and looking at them I was just like oh isn't that sweet they're just they're laughing and having a good time and then I turn around and look at what they're doing and Lachlan was he was probably about four months old in one of those like reclining infant seats mm-hmm. and Weston was taking the top of that seat and pulling it down and then letting go and slingshotting Lock up into like a sitting position and then he'd flop back down <laughs> and <laughs> so I had a moment of panic like okay just because they're laughing doesn't mean it's okay <laughs> this is what leads to dramatic brain injury <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so he was like on an amusement park ride when he yeah was they, they were having a great time together and uh yeah i had to put an end to their fun that day but <laughs> that's so sweet especially being in the medical practice yourself knowing fling <laughs> him out of that seat yeah yeah, yeah. so dion tell us about life with jacob um well jacob was uh our is our third child and at the time that uh, we moved her we had just moved to rapid city and we found out that we were expecting our third uh, little boy and at the time i was finishing my doctorate in education administration and i was working at, not working as a paid employee but as a volunteer um on the catholic school board in rapid city and uh, at his five-month ultrasound, we realized that there was some pretty significant brain damage and that he looked like he was going to be born with hydrocephalus. And so this brand new community that we'd become a part of, luckily I was in a beautiful mother's Bible study. And we just <laughs> engaged in those relationships and leaned into those friends and asked for uh, prayer warriors to help us get through that tough time. And it ended up that... Uh, when he was born, he did have pretty, pretty significant brain damage, but it's one of those situations where God prepares you, and um, he doesn't call the equipped, but he equips the called. Amen. <laughs> Nothing about us, uh, or certainly about me, indicated I was going to be able to manage a child with such significant disabilities. And while I hate to define Jacob as what he couldn't do, because mm-hmm. he sure did a lot of things that were amazing for us, for, for listeners, um, he was his disabilities were really significant, so he wasn't able to hold his head up or or uh, use any of his appendages. So he relied on us 100% for his mobility. So we carried him everywhere. 
and he uh, was, they said, legally blind, although when I would look into his eyes, I felt I could see into his soul, and that he could, he certainly could recognize voices that would, like, cue into his vision, I think, um, and he was fed by a feeding tube, um, mm-hmm. and luckily, bl- a blessing for us was that he had a beautiful smile. A lot of children with that severe of a disability aren't able to smile, and so we had that, that gift that he had a fantastic smile, and even sometimes a giggle, so, um, yeah, he was just an incredible blessing for us. Yeah. And uh, one of my favorite stories is right after, I think you were on the way home from the hospital um, after he was born, and you stopped by a shrine. We Tell did. Us about that. Yeah. <laughs> so that that awesome family, uh, fam- what is it called, Fatima Shrine that's in Alexandria, uh, right outside of Mitchell, South Dakota, off of I-90. If you haven't been there, I encourage it because it's right off the interstate, just a mile. But we took um, our children there, and we put Jacob and used it as his as his birth announcement in the arms of the Christ statue there. And um, so, yeah, it was just a really holy moment. Yeah. And so you literally laid him there in the arms of Jesus. Well, it, it, yes, that's what the picture looks like. <laughs> oh, okay. But, I mean, he was a newborn. So well, yeah. he, he was in, in ICU for a while. So we, he was about two weeks old by the time we got to bring him home. And he was born in Omaha where they had some, the ability to care for him. So we brought him back to Rapid City, passed mm-hmm. to that shrine, and um, put him in Jesus' arms and took a picture of him um, and... Uh, kind of brushed out my husband's hand so it looks like Jesus is holding him but it's okay right (laughs) Jesus helps us Jesus helps us (laughs) a beautiful really analogy of the rest of his life you know that you were entrusting him to Jesus really from that very first day and really even before he was born when you chose life you know because because you didn't have to choose life and so really beautiful testimony to life and hearing both of their stories kind of sets us up to even really kind of mourn with you a little bit more after the break when we'll hear more about um, the losses and then how you dealt with them as well. Yeah, I think that um, this is such an important conversation. And before we started, Bree, we we were having a beautiful conversation. Do you want to just tell our listeners what what is important for them today during our two-hour show? Yeah, these are hard stories. They're hard stories to tell and they're hard stories to hear. Um, but really taking the opportunity to lean into those and to kind of ride that edge of discomfort gives us a place where our hearts can just crack open to be a witness to other people. It gives us a, a greater capacity to accompany other people who are grieving. So even though they may be tough to hear, I encourage you to stay with us um, and to just really let your heart be opened to the the hard parts and the crosses that that come with um, life and death. Amen. That's great. Well, stay tuned with us. We will be right back after this quick break. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. As a sole provider, the needs of my growing family are something I pray for daily. I know continuing my education will benefit my family in the end, but I worry about what I'll miss while doing so. University of Mary knows that choosing to continue your education at this point in life can be both challenging and rewarding. That's why we've created a robust portfolio of truly affordable, truly flexible, and truly formative online programs to make choosing easy. Visit us at catholicprofessional.life. That's dot L-I-F-E. 
Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Have interruptions impacted your charitable giving? If you feel like you have less to give this year or are waiting until you get through these recent challenges, we want to let you know about some creative gift options that won't cost you a dime this year. For example, you could designate Real Presence Radio as the beneficiary of all or percentage of your IRA or make RPR beneficiary of a percentage of your estate or specific asset. Make a bequest commitment gift this year without impacting your savings or investments. To learn more about the benefits of making a charitable bequest, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. Honor your father by word and deed, that a blessing from him may come upon you. Sirach 3.8 Our priests guide us on the right path and teach us about our Catholic faith. At Real Presence Radio, we'd like to honor them for helping to deepen our relationship with Jesus. Each week on Real Presence Live, we honor our fathers with a dozen donuts generously donated by a local business. You can nominate your priest to receive special recognition by going to yourcatholicradiostation.com. And thank you to all our priests for your service to the Holy Catholic Church. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Hey, welcome back to Real Presence Live. I'm Karen Gibis along with the amazing Amy Julian. She says that all the time, but she doesn't realize how amazing she is. <laughs> well, if you guys saw what I saw prior to the show, the planning that Amy has put into this with Bree and Dion, you everyone would be amazed, Amy. Well, really, it's just because we have such amazing and uplifting, like the, the lead-in said, with inspiring and uplifting stories. And that's really what we have today with these two ladies. And, and really, they're representative of so many families, you know, who have walked this same path. And we're hoping, you know, as Bree said before we left for the break, we're hoping that people can really take something away from this and feel better equipped to engage with mourning parents and grieving parents, you know, and to be able to assist them on that road and accompany them on that journey. And so before we enter that next part of the loss of Jacob and Lachlan, I'd love to talk a little bit more with Dion about life with Jacob, because before I even met you, Dion, um, I remember hearing about this family at Blessed Sacrament who had this little boy, you know, that was special needs, and that was clearly significantly, you know, special needs, and the love that this family showed, you know, that, you know, well, he's got this wheelchair, but I don't know if he ever sits in it. That family holds him all the time. I think they fight over who gets to hold him in mass. <laughs> so that's what I had heard about Jacob. <laughs> and that's actually very true. <laughs> yes, yeah, so, um, we had to put some, some rules in place at Mass about who got to hold Jacob at what times and so that our transitions weren't uh, battles. <laughs> but nobody ever gave up their, their opportunity. So, um, yeah, his brothers were very devoted to him and um, I think just the fact that they were raised in a family with a disabled child certainly developed in them compassion and appreciation and a lot of, you know, wonderful characteristics and virtues that they wouldn't otherwise have been able to grow up with. Yeah, and that's the gift of disabled children or, you know, even with our 
parents as they're growing older, you know, that, you know, sometimes the greatest gift that they can give us is the opportunity to serve them, you know, and Jacob's was certainly a life of enabling people around him to serve him and to love him unconditionally without getting anything back other than that beautiful smile. Yeah, it was worth it. That's for sure. It was worth it. Yeah. Yeah. And so you knew all along that Jacob wouldn't have a very long life. Well, you know, who knows how long their life is, right? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, When we first, when he was born and and with his, the significance of his disabilities, um, I mean, nobody ever told us how long to expect his life, but we knew just doing from research because we're both, you know, my husband's a physician and, and I'm a researcher type of a person. And so we knew that kids that were on feeding tubes didn't live really super long lives. And there wasn't a lot of research actually of kids who started on feeding tubes living past the age of four, but Jacob did. And, uh, every day we had with him was a blessing and as he approached at the age of 10 and age of 11 we started wondering well maybe this is more of a marathon rather than a sprint we we weren't sure mm-hmm. um he sure he sure seemed to fight things really really well and um he relied on us fully for everything but he held his own too so yeah 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 and then tell us about when you found out that Jacob had gone on to his next life. Okay, well, this story is incredible. So um, there's there's an amazing uh, amount of grace and, and blessing that God bestowed on our family during this time. Um, Jacob was 11 years old, and we actually were out of the country when he passed away. But the story leading up to that and the story of that and the story after that are all are pretty remarkable. Um, the reason that we weren't here, and we had never left Jacob before without a family member to stay with him um, for any period of time, really. And But we had decided that our oldest son was studying at the Angelicum in Rome for the semester. He was a sophomore in college, Matthew was, and we decided this was an opportunity that we really needed to take advantage of and go over and and visit him and visit this this holy place. And when we were trying to discern if that was going to be a possibility for our family, it seemed impossible because of Jacob, and we knew Jacob would not probably, although we took Jacob everywhere with us and on every previous trip, that seemed like a lot for him. Um, and so, so I just felt it on my heart that we were supposed to go, and so I prayed about it and said, God, if we're supposed to be there, then this is going to f- somehow happen. Um, it, it, it had happened for me in the past that we found a babysitter um, for me to go to Medjugorje with Immaculate Olivagiza, and she had been praying for someone <laughs> to uh, help us with Jacob, and we found uh, someone volunteered to help us wa- so I could go on that trip. So I knew it was possible, um, but I wasn't sure how that would all work out. Jacob ended up, um, his, one of his teachers, well, actually both of his teachers who he, he had had for years and who loved him dearly, to, knew his every need, as well as we did almost, um, actually volunteered to watch him. And I couldn't believe it, so we decided we were going to go to Rome. So they moved into our home um, and took care of him in the evenings and took him to school during the day while we traveled over to Rome. Um, we had no idea Jacob was not doing well or we would not have left. But while we were on that trip, um, well, one other amazing thing I have to mention is that we were gifted a set of tickets to go. This was over Holy Week, by the way. We were gifted a set of tickets to go to Mass at St. Peter's Square with Pope Francis um, that just kind of fell into our lap. And uh, while we were at that Mass, Jacob passed away. 
And we got back to our hotel and I had 18 missed calls from his babysitter saying that she needed to talk to me, she needed to talk to me. And when I called her, she said, oh, Jacob's gone. And I had such grace in that moment that my first reaction, and this is not a normal or human reaction, so this is just evidence of God's hand, was that as you were chosen, Andrea, you were chosen to be with him in this moment. We were in the holiest of places with the holiest of people on the holiest of days. And this is where we were supposed to be too. Mm-hmm. So our family all could be together um, now. <laughs> Being a, another world away, getting home was, was a nightmare in and of itself. But in that moment, we just felt God's hand um, that Jesus was carrying Jacob to heaven and while we were celebrating the resurrection. Yeah, and while you were there in the Eucharist, already you were with him Absolutely. and didn't even know it at the time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was, I remember hearing that story and um, being just amazed and in awe of, of your reaction to that, that you would have that kind of grace to be able to see the Lord in that moment. But like you said, it, it's, it's difficult, even when you have that grace, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, it's difficult. Right, for sure. I know. And so we want to hear about what happened next, but I also want to hear, Bree, about your story about when you guys lost Lachlan. Yeah. I love when Deanna and I can tell our stories side by side. Um, there's very much a feel of God's hands in those moments with Dion's story. Um, and while I, I had places where I had a sense of God's um, presence in my loss, um, it, wasn't, it wasn't there in that same way uh, on the day he died. It was an ordinary Monday. I got, had gotten up early. I needed to hustle out the door to work. I was kind of in a rush to feed him so I could get going. Um, I hustled out the door without so much of a goodbye. I waved at my boys from the picture window as I drove away um, and went into my busy uh, busy day at work. Um, my husband dropped the kids off at what was a new daycare for us. This was just the first day of their second week there. Um, so we were still doing some adjustments um, in that space. And during my work day, I had an unusual break. Usually our days were packed very full. Um, and in that break, I considered going down to the daycare to pick up Lachlan for a little bit um, and ended up arguing myself out of it. We had a med student that was with us that day, so I decided I'd show him around and do a little review for one of the big surgeries that we had coming up. And just as we were getting ready to uh, scrub in for surgery, I had a phone call from the daycare and I answered, and um, he said, I need you to come to the daycare. Locke's not breathing, and the EMTs are here. And just in that moment, it's a very dissociative kind of experience. Like, there's something entirely different happening internally than what's happening externally. The ability to think logically escaped me. The, the logical thing would be, okay, I'll meet you downstairs in the ER in five minutes. But he said I needed to go to the daycare, so... Um, so I went, uh, we got, when I arrived at the daycare, um, which people shouldn't probably drive themselves in that circumstance. Um, but again, logic escapes, escaped me. Um, let me back up and interesting as I was driving, um, to the daycare, kind of driving in the turning lane, making my own lane so I could go, uh, more quickly. 
uh, I was stopped by a funeral procession. I was stopped at a stoplight and had to sit and wait while a funeral procession crossed in front of me, while knowing that my child's not breathing. Um, and there was that moment of calling out to God, like, please don't let this be happening. Um, and yet, some sense of knowing that that this was something big. But we arrived at the daycare. It was, I did, it was surrounded by emergency vehicles. Um, there was a, a guard outside that uh, wouldn't allow us to go in. We waited. I, eventually, I, I called my husband on the way. He eventually made it down to join me. And we waited outside the daycare for a long time. Nobody really seemed to know what was happening in there. Um, you know, both of us as medical professionals as well have a sense of knowing that if they're doing CPR and it's taking this long, it's not going well. But yet clinging to every hope that you possibly could that that this isn't what's happening. Um, and then that moment of seeing the emergency crew come out from the daycare. These are people that we're familiar with, that we work with in the emergency department. Um, and just seeing their demeanor as they walked out, heads shaking, um, and I heard, you know, the uh, one of them say there was there was nothing we could do. Um, and in that moment, just oh, so much. It's so heavy. Mm. Um, a lot of chaos. You know, that's it. Felt very much like an like an internal storm, tornado. You're standing in this eye of a tornado, and the world is kind of swirling around you, and. Um, what on earth is happening here? And so that was the beginning of our very long journey of finding a way to live uh, after that loss. Uh, just heartbreaking, both stories. And hate to even go to break now, but we do have more of your stories to hear about, including the incredible place that you are now. All right, stay with us. We'll be right back. Live, engaging, and local. This is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. Rose Management is a family-owned business that believes in good morals, doing the right thing, and treating our residents as family. Rose Management provides affordable housing to complexes throughout North Dakota and Minnesota. All Rose Management properties and our maintenance staff are in a centralized location in their cities. If you have any questions, you can call at 701-237-6840 or online at rosemanagement.net. Again, that number is 701-237-6840. Seventeen, seventeen weeks old. You know the phrase, there's a bun in the oven? Well, there's a potato in your oven, Mom. That's right. I'm as big as a regular baking potato. And I can react even more sounds and light because my central nervous system is sending all kinds of messages to me. My skeleton is turning from cartilage to bone, and my limbs are even longer. Hey, you know what goes good with a baked potato? Cheese and sour cream. Remember, I am trying to double my size. 
written by Alison Updahl. Hi, this is Dr. Ryan Sapo with Lumen Vision in Fargo. Lumen Vision provides eye exams for the whole family and specialty services like vision therapy and custom contact lenses. We offer a variety of frames with missions you can believe in, like Moto Eyewear, which gives away a pair of glasses to a child in need for every frame sold. We are so grateful for your support and grateful to be supporting RPR. You can learn more about our mission at lumen.vision. Lumen Vision is a proud sponsor of the Real Presence Radio Network. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Hey, welcome back to Real Presence Live. I'm Karen Gibis along with Amy Julian. And we are live here at St. Patrick's in Leeds, South Dakota. And we would just like to say thank you again to Father Leo for allowing us to have our show here today. We appreciate any time that a parish is willing to host us. Um, such a grateful experience in so many ways because it's wonderful that our parishes are involved in shows like this and supportive of of parents and and just it, our listeners in general when we're talking about a subject such as this very uh, moving experience we've been hearing from Dion and Bree. Amen. And also knowing that the Blessed Sacrament is just on the other side of that wall, you know, that yeah. even in the most difficult of times, you know, he's there with us. And so I think the more we can have our shows in the parishes and with Jesus yeah, be close, close to that grace, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's everywhere, but we like it. When we're close to the Blessed Sacrament. Right. Yeah. So speaking of the presence of God, Brie, oh my goodness, I can't even imagine that feeling. And, and how did you feel toward God as you're experiencing this, this loss of that beautiful, precious little baby? Yeah, so let me start that with um, my faith was, while it was something that was important to me, it was, um, in hindsight, a relatively immature faith. Um, I had been um, a, a faithful Catholic in that I attended Mass um, consistently, even through college years where um, a lot of people tend to drift away a bit. Um, and I really, my life to that point, I, I hadn't experienced a lot of real pain and suffering. I had little experience with death. Uh, my life had pretty much gone how I wanted it to go. Mm -hmm. um, Getting into school, I had a successful um, collegiate athlete uh, career in athletics. Um, I had I married my high school sweetheart. I had the first job that I wanted. We got a house. I've got these two beautiful boys. Like my world was as I wanted it to be. And as parents, there is always some sense of vulnerability in that something could happen to my kid, and mm -hmm. there's nothing I can do about that. And so, you know, a lot of my prayers were around that, like, God, protect my kids. You know, like, I'll do what I can, but I need you to take care of them and keep them safe. Right. And I'll do my part. I'll show up at Mass. I'll do the things, and then you do your part and keep my baby safe. And so it was an interesting experience to feel both very angry and betrayed by God, um, I wrestled hard with that idea of how can a, an all-loving, all-knowing, all-powerful God allow my baby to die? Why would he give me this child to, to take him away? Um, 
and at the same time, feeling very comforted and held by him through that experience. We had so many people that reached out to us in so many different ways, um, ways that you can't ever really acknowledge or repay or thank people. Um, and so it really did just feel like the hands of God coming down to, to hold us during that time um, with letters and notes and cards and support and the crowds that came to support us uh, through his funeral. And um, yeah, so it's just a, a unique both and mm -hmm. of feeling very angry and betrayed and feeling very comforted and held all at the same time. That's amazing. And I think sometimes we don't allow ourselves to be angry at God, or we think we're betraying Him, and yet really we're just being honest with Him. Right. And so it's beautiful that, that you felt both of that. Yeah, yeah. That's You know, I felt in some ways like uh, the toddler who had <laughs> just gotten their toy taken away, right? Throwing their fit, but they need to throw their fit in mom's arms. Mm -hmm. uh, they're angry at mom, but... Uh, but yet I still need you to hold me while I'm having my tantrum. Exactly. Exactly. And God's big enough. He can take that. Yeah. And yeah. so, Dion, you had that beautiful experience with the Lord when you found out the news that Jacob had passed. Um, how did your relationship with God unfold over those, especially those early moments of grieving Jacob's loss? Well, the, the certainly the first, I would say for me, the first year, I almost couldn't breathe. <laughs> Like, I felt like there was an elephant on my chest mm -hmm. every day. Um, but I, I found peace when I was at Mass. And so I leaned into the sacraments, and I leaned into my relationship with, with God, and I went to Mass every day. And my husband joined me there, and I felt that was a place where I could actually take a deep breath was whenever I was, was at Mass. So I definitely felt held through that time. Mm -hmm. Certainly, I had you know some of the same similar questions to why, not so much why did Jacob die, or why did we have a disabled child, but why did, why why were we not here? Uh, why did we have to be gone? Uh, mm -hmm. Of course, that was a very unsettling feeling of not just of our absence and him not, us not being here when he died, or not him not being in our arms, but the the probably the, the heaviest burden we felt was these poor people, these friends of ours, and these teachers who were here for when he died. I mean, the, of course, we had left a list of people for, for the teachers to call. Uh, mm -hmm. Andrea and Sarah are their, are their names. Um, to call if they needed anything, but it never occurred to us they'd be calling because Jacob died. <laughs> and this happened at five in the morning um, in Rapid City time, so our house was filled with friends that they had been trying to get a hold of and that had to be there and manage those difficult moments that Bree was experiencing with emergency vehicles and coroners and um, you know, those kinds of things that parents, well, parents shouldn't have to deal with that either, but certainly friends and babysitters really shouldn't <laughs> have to, to manage those things. So we had a lot of, of, of weight, of burden of those, those things. Um, and I pray constantly that, that those people were blessed by that in some way or will be at some point if they don't see that blessing now. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, we just found comfort in, in our Mass. We're so grateful. And in the Sacrament of Confession, yeah. found a lot of healing there too. And you both have mentioned friends and the response of friends, and I was planning on getting to this later, but it seems like a good time now. What were the 
the things that really helped when you were going through this grieving process? And then, you know, maybe what are some of the things you may, maybe wish people could have done or, or maybe w wouldn't have done? You know, what are, how can people support a parent in those early moments? Well, I think every every uh, situation is different, and each person's called to something different. But one one thing that stands out in my mind as um, a really significant gift that someone gave us or gave me, in particular, is my friend Suzanne. Has um, every month since Jacob died, he died on April sixteenth in in the year twenty seventeen. So for four years, on the sixteenth of every month. She joins me at the cemetery, and we pray a rosary at Jacob's grave. And so we've been doing that. I mean, that's, that's a significant, significant commitment, but it gave me so much peace and so much comfort to be joined there. Mm -hmm. the, the cemetery has become a completely different place to me, a place I love to be and find solace in. And we pray for so many intentions. We pray for all of the families that are grieving losses, but also the souls in that, in that cemetery. We pray for Jacob's intercession. It's just this beautiful time that she and I have together every month that I look forward to and she never forgets <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and we were joking about it recently and she's like well I think we're doing it for the rest of our lives that's what we're yeah. doing so um, that's a blessing that someone uh, bestowed on me so that simple act of being present absolutely yeah Bree yeah that's exactly where I was going to go with it um, when a parent has given this cross um, it's not one that that can be taken away. There's nothing to do to fix that. There's nothing to do to make that better. And so when I think about how people can best support a grieving parent is to put yourself uh, at the foot of their cross, not to try to take away their pain, not to try to convince them it's time to come down from their cross, but to really just bear witness um, with them, give them a space to, to grieve intensely um, I've heard it said that a bereaved parent should be considered newly bereaved for five years. Five and years. And so it takes, I mean, that's, that's where it's something that they're wrestling with um, in, a, in a pretty intense way for that long. And so to really just be patient in that grief, um, to be able to sit with them, to be able to hear their stories over and over um, without bringing any judgment or expectations uh, with that, so the people that could step into that space with me um, have been amazing gifts in just my ability to process and ability to find peace and healing uh, in all of it. Mm -hmm. One thing I thought I might add right here is that I've had a, some people say that they were afraid to mention Jacob's death to me. That's exactly what um, I was going to ask. And probably Lachlan's mm -hmm. too, to you, Bree. Yeah. Um, and all I want to say about that is, okay, nothing you're going to say is going to remind me my kid died because I think of it all the time, every day of my life. Um, and actually, you mentioning him, him to me reminds me and, and that you know, you remember him. Um, and so it actually is very, I love it when people bring up Jacob or ask me something about him. It doesn't stop me in my tracks. It actually um, unites me to that person. So um, I think that might be a misunderstanding out there. And I think really, if if people take anything away from today, it's exactly that, that don't be afraid to ask, you know, how are you doing? Mm -hmm. Tell me a story about Lachlan. Tell me a story about Jacob. Because, you know, their their life is eternal now. You know, they're still living. You know, they're living more fully than we are. And we need to, to celebrate that life by remembering their presence here on earth. Yeah. 
It's oftentimes people too are looking for those physical ways that they can uh, support somebody. Like, what can I do? Um, and that's something that's so unique to the individual. I found what was most helpful for me was the people that came up with something that they would like to do and called me and asked to say, hey, Bria, I would love to mow your lawn today. Is that okay? They made it easy for me to say yes. Um, it was way easier to accept that than to pick up a phone and call somebody to say, hey, my heart hurts too much. I'm not going to be able to mow my lawn this week. Can you do it? Mm -hmm. um, and so that gift of just people gently stepping into that space and offering what they can um, in a way that was that was easy to accept was those things were enormously helpful that's tremendous advice because I, I think of how many times I've said if there's anything I can do let me know yeah and yet you know you may not even think of what I could do and then may not have the the, the courage or the, you know, whatever to even pick up the phone to ask. So to take the initiative and to offer to do something, that's great advice. I could always see the, the heartfelt intent behind that, but I didn't know what I needed or who I should call or what I should ask for. And physically, I was capable of mowing my lawn, so it seemed silly to call and ask somebody else to, to do that job for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to talk more about the healing process and how um, a grieving parent can be supported in a time where they, you don't know how to respond to them and they don't know how to respond to you. So stay with us. We'll be right back. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Hi, I'm Father Chris Alar. If you have lost anyone to a sudden or tragic death, you can still help them. Please visit our website, suicideandhope.com, and memorialize those that you love. There is no obligation or cost. You can simply enter their first name, initials, or a nickname, and I will personally pray for them and have a Mass said each month. Please, again, visit suicideandhope.com. This is Father Anthony Craig from the Diocese of Duluth. I really want to thank my parents today for giving me the faith of Jesus Christ and teaching me the ways of prayer, praying over us uh, when we were sick, showing us uh, self-sacrifice. My father actually was a deacon, a permanent deacon in the church, and he would bring us along as kids, because there were six of us kids, and he would bring us along to hospital visits or to work in the food shelf and doing all these various things for people in the community. And I learned ways of serving others through that, through watching my dad. And then my mom, she also was very self-sacrificial of herself. She wore the same pair of tennis shoes for about 10 years to show us that she didn't care about herself as much as the rest of us. And we got new shoes for every school year. We had all of what we needed and most of what we wanted. And the, the Lord really provided a, a great example in my parents to show me the way to really Christian servitude and prepared me for the priesthood. The Mustard Seed Catholic Store is South Dakota's place to purchase Catholic books, gifts, and decor. With locations in Rapid City and Sioux Falls, we are here to provide you with gifts for the Catholic occasions in your life. From baptism to First Communion, confirmation to weddings, and ordinations, we pride ourselves in having local artists share their creative talents, making rosaries, crucifixes, artwork, coffee, and books. We are located in Rapid City on Main Street, in the new Diocesan Building, or in Sioux Falls on Grange Avenue across from Costco. 
This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Hey, welcome back to Real Presence Live. I'm Karen Gibas along with the talented Amy Julian. And we are visiting with um, two beautiful women who are sharing their story of loss, but also of blessings that God has given them after the the loss of a child. Um, And I just want to point out right now that if this interview has touched you or you know of a a parent, um, a a husband, if your, your sister, anyone in your family has experienced a loss, you can share this interview with them by going to realpresenceradio.com and looking up the podcast under the Real Presence Live um, section of our website. So feel free to share this uh, interview with anyone you think that it might touch, might help, may just put them on the healing process. But that being said, there's more to talk about, right, there's Amy? There's more to talk about. And, you know, so we've talked about their beautiful lives, you know, of course, the, the pain of that loss, um, even when it is filled with grace that Dion talked about, being at the Vatican at the time, um, and a little bit about the way people can support you, you know, people in that are grieving the loss of a child. Um, but I'd like to kind of the rest of this hour focus on that process of grieving and then also what each of you really kind of took extraordinary steps to create something beautiful as a legacy um, for your sons. And um, we don't want to set the bar too high for people to think they have to do something, but that, you know, to find a way to memorialize your child, you know, in the ways in which you did. Um, so, Bri, if you wanted to talk a little bit about that um, that process of loss and then how you guys channeled that grief and what you're doing now with that. Yeah. I think... With a grief this big, um, when we talk about healing, um, oftentimes it kind of comes with the connotation that you go back to the previous state that you were in. But healing um, in a with a parental grief like this is more like healing from an amputation than it is like healing from a skinned knee. Um, it is something that transforms everything about the way you live and think and pray. And it's, it's adapting to a whole new way of living and something that you notice there's, there's something missing always that doesn't come back. And so that's a really good point. Thank you so much for saying that. So healing is an integration rather than a recovery. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's an important thing to understand and, and helps the people around you understand that, that you're doing something big. Um, and then it takes time for that to happen. And so I think, you know, some of my, it was an early grace, I suppose, to understand that this wasn't something that was going to go away. This wasn't something that I could run from or push aside. And uh, even though I tried for a while, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's big and everything about it is uncomfortable and um, there's only so much that we can bear at once. And so, you know, it's it's in little little bites at a time, one bite at a time, that we can kind of work our way through um, all of the stuff that comes with the loss. But um, it's really just a little little tiny bits for a long, long time and learning to live and think and pray in a, in a whole new way. And not just you and your husband, but your children as well. Yeah. Um, 
it's unique. You know, Weston, our oldest, was two and a half when Locke died. And so it's, it's tough to explain death to a two-and-a-half-year-old. It's something that's hard for an adult to understand. And so he regularly, for a long time, just kept asking, where's Locke? Where's Locke? And, you know, we'd try to explain his, you know, his body stopped working. Um, you know, his body is at the cemetery. His soul went to heaven. Um, but that's, you know, that's unfathomable. Um, even for most of us, the, that mystery is hard to grasp, even as an adult. And so, as he's grown, we've had to revisit um, as he developmentally has gotten into different places to be able to understand at new levels. Um, and then our other kids, we've got four other kids that came after him, and so they don't have that experience of kind of the trauma of the grief part of it. But they do know that they have another brother that is missing, and they love him, and they miss him, and they know him, um, which is which is neat to for him. You know, Locke is still very much a part of our family and mm -hmm. and who we are as a family. Um, but all of that takes time. You know, I think one of the big tasks of of grieving is learning how to love someone who is no longer physically present. Mm -hmm. And really kind of introduces that idea of the eternal, you know, at, at a really, really young age, you mm -hmm. know, so that's kind of part of the gift, I think, that the children have. Absolutely. That's, we talk about heaven a lot and what that might be like. In fact, I have one moment in particular where one of my kids, we were reading a book, a children's book about heaven, and he said, when can I die? It takes so long. I just want to go to heaven. <laughs> and so like, it's, it's hard to hear a, a little kid say that, but at the same sense, like seeing what's behind that and um, you know, his dream of the eternal mm -hmm. um, that's, that's been introduced because they have someone that's already there, someone that they love that's already there. Yeah, and their whole family has collaborated with you in this beautiful memorial that you've built to Lachlan. Tell us about Locke's yeah. legacy. So with that experience of early on, um, just recognizing the unique gift that other bereaved parents could bring to my grief, uh, they just had a different way of being able to talk about it and a different way of being able to ask questions that other people seemed to want to dance around. Um, and they could really step into that space with me. Um, and the, the healing power of that um, became kind of the inspiration of wanting to create a space and a resource um, to help other parents uh, who've unexpectedly lost an infant uh, through, through those spaces um, and just to give them a community of support. And so we created Locks Legacy, which is a nonprofit organization um, designed to help accompany and support parents who are grieving the unexpected loss of an infant and then to help promote some SIDS and safe sleep awareness and to help fund some SIDS-related research, hoping that parents don't have to experience that at all anymore. And so it's been um, a neat ministry for us. It's been able, it, we've just been able to encounter people um, in, a, in a neat way. It becomes a, a real um, family, really. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just been an honor to do that. It's really beautiful. And then you fund a lot of that through a couple of races that you're doing in South Dakota. Yeah. So we have done uh, two races a year. We do one on Mother's Day in Spearfish and then another one the second weekend of June um, in Harrisburg, just outside of Sioux Falls. And that becomes 
a beautiful place for families to gather, a place for people to say their child's name, to remember them out loud, to invite their family and friends to come do something intentionally in memory of their child um, in, in a place where they can just be loved and accepted in their grief and honor kind of the sacred space of that grief. Yeah, and which is kind of a great lead into what Dion and her husband have done to remember Jacob and creating a safe, beautiful place to remember the names of children. Tell us about the Children's yes. Memorial Garden. Well, that really is a, a garden that blossomed, um, for, that God did. <laughs> um, I, I kind of battled with him about, are you seriously calling me to this? So that's one thing I just wanted to mention is that to realize that um, we're not all called to make big gestures. Uh, God called uh, Bree and I to these individual ministries to help other families. So it's really not Jacob's Garden. It is a children's memorial garden where over 100 children are memorialized right now. Um, and if you have a, a child in your family that you've lost, you can include their name there too. Um, it's it's a beautiful garden that's located at Terra Sancta Retreat Center. Uh, there's a life-size bronze statue of Christ kneeling down with open arms, welcoming three bronze statues of children running toward him, um, and then a, a cross that has names of children kind of hanging hanging from it that they kind of move in the wind. Um, it's just a really lovely, peaceful place that brings a lot of solace to a number of, of different families. Mm -hmm. And I think just that urge to be creative, to somehow memorialize your child, and you both have provided a space for people to do that, but that maybe it's just a garden and, you know, a little statue in their own garden at home in the corner of their house or something like that. Deanna and I were talking about that on the way up here, actually, that um, while those big things have been uh, a meaningful part of our journeys and our process, almost even more meaningful are the smaller kind of micro rituals that you create at home um, in order to create that space of loving this child that's no longer there. It's, you know, we have a memorial garden, uh, Lachlan's garden in our backyard um, that we use to kind of plant uh, flowers that have meaning behind them for us. Um, it's being able to include his name in uh, our Christmas celebrations, to hang a stocking with his name on it, mm -hmm. um, to be able to even just encounter other people in their pains and their sufferings in a different way um, because of my experience with Locke's life and death. And so those little things and those little transformations, um, those little rituals that we build in are almost bigger and um, affect affect us on the on the everyday basis, maybe even more so than the big projects do. Yeah, I think so. Very beautiful. And so we kind of skipped a little bit over the process of the grieving itself, and in the last half hour, we're going to talk about a beautiful retreat that you guys have brought to enable parents to go through that grieving process. And so we'll be able to hit the grieving process itself in another half hour, but. Well, coming up before that, we are going to hear the story of um, the beautiful chaplet of Rachel's Tears. So uh, when you come back, be prepared to pray with us and hear how this prayer has helped parents grieve and be consoled over the loss of their child. Stay with us here on Real Presence Live. <laughs> 